Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you get to ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. Now we hope you had a fantastic week and ready for what I will know, what I know will be another great stock market show here tonight. Now there's always something interesting happening, not only on the Australian but world markets. Now tonight, as always, we'll shed some light on the current market as we aim to inform and educate you on the realities of investing and trading. Now tonight's topic is sure to be a hot one. It's about professional trading, the hidden secrets traders need to know about. Our topic for tonight uh, will share with you how there's a big difference between what retail investors can see when placing trades and what they can actually do when trading on the stock market compared to what institutional traders can see and do. In tonight's show, we'll share the hidden secrets that traders need to know about Uh, what they need to know to be profitable in the market, but more importantly, how these hidden secrets can affect your trading decisions and what you choose to invest in. As always, we'll look at what is currently happening on the Australian stock market, give you our thoughts, answer your most burning questions, look at the stocks that you're interested in, give you our expert opinion and a whole lot more. Hello, I'm Janine Cox and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hi, Dale. How are hey. you? Oh, well, fantastic. <laughs> Isn't it great? I mean, Melbourne is so cold at the moment, I but know, it's still it's freezing. You can see this blue sky outside and you're freezing your toes off. Yeah, well, at least we had a sunny day today. That's something, isn't it? I know. I was chatting to people in Queensland yesterday and they go, it looks like it's blue sky out the side because we're doing a Zoom. And I went, yeah. And I said, but my toes are still frozen. Why is it that Queenslanders always rub it in when we're talking about the weather? Well, you know, I say to them, at least we have weather. <laughs> it's just hot there. That's it. There's, uh, there's only one thing. We have weather. We have hot, cold, everything in between and rain, wind, storms, gale, you name it, everything else. But now the market... Looking, you, now, before we talk about Sorry. the market, because we're going to talk about that all night, I just wanted to talk Are about we? you a bit more. Okay, thank So you. you're looking a bit um, cheerier today. Yesterday you were looking a bit tired, so you had a bit of a sleep last night, did you? Yeah, I had a sleep in last night. Well, I got up at my normal um, sparrow's fart, went up, <laughs> watched a few things, you know, did some research, then went back to bed again and had a few more hours sleep. It's <laughs> like so this whole self-isolation I can sleep in because mm. I don't have staff running around me all the time so it's a little bit so easier. So what do you walk around in in the morning then? Um, in, my, in my tracksuit pants. In my tracksuit pants. I, that was a loaded question. I had that ready to go. Now if you have a burning I question for us. I think I'm going to swear soon. I didn't swear. I didn't swear. I dare you. 
bugger. Is that a swear word? <laughs> I've got the swear jar here. Now, if you have a burning question for us, on the right of the screen is a chat box, so put your questions there. As always, keep your comments tonight constructive so that we can assist as many people as possible with genuine questions. Now, if tonight's your first time, then uh, may I say a big hi and a welcome to you. We're excited to have you with us and hope you really enjoy the show. Now, moving on, it's the fourth Tuesday in the month. Jeez, time flies, doesn't it? Doesn't and uh, it could not be more timely as we take at the look at world currencies. So let's get into the chance and discuss our thoughts on world currency right now. All right. You can see there on the screen, I've got the Australian dollar uh, versus the British pound sterling at the top, leading the board at the moment for the month, which is great. So um, the Australian dollar, Singapore dollar, 1.69%. Now, down, I'm going to skip right to the bottom. Look at the Australian dollar versus the Hong Kong dollar, um, up 0.55%. The Australian versus the US dollar, up 057 And in the middle, we've got the Australian dollar, Japanese yen, and the Australian dollar, euro. Now, obviously, this is not going to be exciting for many people, given that most people are not considering travelling at the moment. So not really helping us there. But if we have a look at what's happening over the year to get a broader picture, we can see there that the New Zealand dollars, actually um, Australian versus New Zealand dollars, right up on the top there, 2.88% uh, and down the bottom at the moment is the Australian dollar versus the Japanese yen. So down 7.5%. So there's a real mixed board there, Dale, at the moment across the currencies on 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 the markets there. But um, what I thought I'd do today is digress a little bit from the subject. And we've been getting a lot of questions in about the market and um, asking things like, you know, is Dale getting it right because the, the market's going up? And look, the thing is that a lot of people, when they're looking at markets, you're only looking at things right now in the present. And when you look at the market, you actually have to look at what the risk is. That's one of the most important things that you can consider at any time. It's not about, you know, licking your finger and and putting it up in the wind and saying, well, okay, which direction is it going? You've got to have a really broad picture view, look at the past and see what happens and then weigh that up with what's happening now, especially looking at the risk. So, I mean, okay, if people just choose to jump in when the market's still technically telling you that it, it could continue to decline, then you're taking the highest risk you possibly can. Whereas if you wait for further confirmation, it doesn't really matter if you miss out on a bit at the bottom or you miss out on a few stocks that have taken off because there'll always be other stocks in the market that will give you good opportunities ongoing. If the market's going up, it's going to be going up for a long time from here or for at least a decent run um, from the, the recent low. Now, if it does keep going up for a short time because there are a really only a couple of things that can happen here. One is that it actually goes up now, it's a false rally and then turns back and pulls back and then people would be saying, well, Dale, you know, you were right to err on the side of caution. But, you know, it's all good with the benefit of hindsight, isn't it, at that point for you for you as the observer. But for us as the analysts and the traders, we've actually got to have a foot in both camps to know, well, if the market does decline, what could happen and what's the worst case scenario and what do we need to be prepared for? And you know, often you're better off to be cautious and to wait for the better opportunities once the market's actually in full swing and is actually trending because you're more likely to be right when the market's trending. So I guess that's just a little bit that I wanted to add tonight. If you've got anything that you would like to say about this. No, but it is. When you're a... Per, per, and this is, um, and I suppose, a lot of people have been saying that 
all the professionals are saying the market's dangerous, the market's mm. bearish, blah, blah, blah. And there's a reason why we're all saying the same thing is because we all actually know what we're talking about. And we've been in this market for 20, 30 years or more and we've watched multiple bull and bear markets, crashes, you name it. Yeah, so what you're talking about is mm. in history, you've seen it happen in the past. It's not like right here and now, the market's going up, well, so what, is mm. what you're saying? Because yeah, so what? It's not, it's not, it doesn't mean, based on history, the market's had, a, had plenty of falls and then started to move up and then, mm. of course, turned and burned and gone down again, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think what I, what I find is people so much focus on somebody being right or wrong mm. in a stock pick, one stock pick or a couple of stock picks or whether the market's going up or down. And trading the market's not necessarily about getting it right. Nobody's going to get it right 100% of the time, never. And, and if somebody is or saying they get it right 100% of the time, they've got either a big ego or they're just delusional. So what is it about then? Um, it, it's, it, it really is about having the right process all the time and protecting, protecting your downside and your risk and everything else. Because... Nobody, if the market's going up, everybody's winning. So mm. what's the problem? So, and we always have to have, as you said, the downside risk, looking at that, what is the possibility of a downside? What's the possibility of upside? Just because we say right now the market's more bearish, the probability could be 70%, but mm. there's 30% chance it's going to go up. And this is what it's done. Mm. It's gone up. Yeah. It defied logic, defied everything that everybody's, all the experts are talking about, and it's gone up. And the um, retail traders are all going, well, I jumped in and I got out and I jumped in at the bottom and blah, blah, blah. And I saw some trades, some retail traders sent through yesterday on an email mm. and I went, oh, I was just horrified at where they got in because the, the probability that them getting it right more than what we are is quite low. So what you're saying is it's, it's, it's mm. just luck in a sense. It's luck. And so, but what does that set them up for? It sets the them up for that, that false reality. I was talking about that on, on my market report yesterday. It's it, when people make an emotional decision or a lucky decision because they haven't used rules and strategy and structure and process, or they perceive that they've already, they've got a rules or strategy or process, but they really don't. What they're actually doing is saying to themselves, well, hang on, I'm pretty good because that went up. So they'll try it again and again and again and keep bottom picking or doing all the things that all the experts say not to do. And what will happen is over time, and this is where the big thing is, one month or two months is not a sheep station. It doesn't build a trading career. Everybody's an expert in hindsight. But it's over two, three years, they'll give the money back mm. because they'll get it wrong more times when they're trying it. But it gives them a false sense of reality. And this mm. is where I'm seeing a lot of people getting that false sense of reality right now. Hey, I picked it. I did this. I did that. I bought APT. Or I built, bought whatever the stocks are. I bought flights and it went up. Or whatever those stocks are that they bought and made money on or currently making money on. But, I mean, I'm happy mm. for them that it actually yeah, went their way and them. they haven't lost money from mm, that but they're lucky. But yeah, You know, mm. the statistics that we talked about with ASIC a couple of weeks ago, and, and there's more statistics I talked about yesterday in my report on, mm. on ETFs, you know. The statistics that ASIC get out and ASX push out, they go back. They've been doing these for years and years mm. and years and years, and they constantly have the same results. So why is today different? It's not. Mm. It's just another market condition where people are doing the same things as they did before because yeah. it's human behaviour. And that's what I was going to talk about. Mm. And you just talked over me a little okay. bit. But all right. Okay. We've, all, we've said it all. You, you actually read my mind. <laughs> oh. oh, well, we've been working together for so long. It's, it's, it's not unusual for me no, to read your mind, is it, anyway? So. Now, it's time to get into your videos and emails. And yet again, we ha had uh, more than we can handle. <laughs>
And we also have a lot of questions in the chat tonight. So the challenge, as always, is to see how many we can get to. Now, we'd like to thank you for your questions. And remember, the more detail you provide, the more likely your question is, or that will respond to you on this show. So share what you want us to discuss in your question, as this will not only increase your chances of having your question selected, but also exciting Janine, and she loves to be excited looking at charts. Now, if oh, you want I'll your... Say, I'll say, I'll say to you, can we please have that question? <laughs> um, so if you want to have your question, the highest priority we put on um, is video one. So stick your camera, your Facebook, your sorry, your webcam, your mobile phone in front of your face and do a 30 second video and they'll put the highest priority and then emails after that. Now, don't get out the tissues because I've got something to tell you. <laughs> we will be phasing out the chat in a couple. Well, it's actually next week, isn't it? It's next week. Yes. Um, and I'm very no, sad this about week. That. This is the last week. It's the last week. Very sad about that. Um, nobody put any tissues on the desk for me. Um, in a couple, oh no, it's definitely this week's the last week, being told. Because we're unable to keep up with the number of posts, you guys are just so phenomenal. However, you can ask questions via email or video, so you can still communicate that way with us. Uh, now, look, basically what Janine's saying is the chat that box that you've got over to the right-hand side, that will not exist from next week. We're going to turn it off from next week. So any email, any question you have, any stock or uh, whatever you want us to discuss, you'll need to email that. So uh, to us before the show starts, and I think it's about 3 p.m. We do the cutoff 3 p.m. on Tuesday. So if you've got questions, please email info at Wealth Within. Now, before we get into our first email for the night, we have a very special viewer video. Now, we were going to play this last week, but it, mm. he sent it in just before, you know, very, very late. Um, and it's a question from Sam about, uh, and which we get excited about um, because it is on a video. So thanks very much, Sam, for your contribution to tonight's show. Now, let's play Sam's video. Hello, Dale and Janine. My name is Sam and I'm from Adelaide. Um, great show you guys put on on Tuesday nights. Look forward to it every week. Just wondering if I could contribute a question for a topic, perhaps. It's a commonly held belief that the Aussie market almost always follows the Dow Jones or the US market. Do you guys take an active interest in the Dow Jones to assist in your investing in the ASX? Thank you. Wow. Good question, isn't it? Mm. Did you like where his, his right elbow was? It was leaning on my book. <laughs> and cute. underneath it, it was the intelligent investor. <laughs> book underneath it. But, uh, I'd like to say he put mine on top so he could get on the show. But you were going to get on the show anyway, Sam. So, what do you say? Look, um, we, we do look at global markets, obviously, and what's happening on the Dow to, to um, get a feel for where the broader picture of the markets is headed, but not so much for investing in the individual stocks and the Australian stock exchange. So it can give a window into how our market could move sometimes on a day-to-day -day basis, but a lot of the time our market can be doing something completely different. If you go and look at the long-term chart, it's sort of people get stuck in a bit of the short-term thinking mm. there that sometimes they'll listen to the radio and, oh, the Dow went down, so therefore the Australian market's going to go down, but it doesn't always happen that way. But it's more about the medium to longer term, which we tend to sort of drift ahead of them, well, they drift ahead of us and vice versa. And I think in your book, there's an example mm -hmm. of a, a chart over the long term where it shows that, and it was, who was the company that put that together? Oh, I can't remember, but there is a chart in there showing our market yeah. and the US takes market. takes off five years and then um, the US market leads for five years, our market leads for five and, and we swap back and forth. So that's why we've been thinking that the Australian market's long overdue to Mm. Yeah, because the Dow mm. is more bullish. And uh, the analogy I use, and you may have heard me say it before, is you grab 
two balls and you drop them and they bounce together, then they get out of sync and then they come back together again. That's like us in the US market. So, so what Janine's saying- Where did saying, you come up with that one? I thought it was a good analogy. Okay. We have get, and I'm not even going to get into whatever you're thinking about anyway, but basically, as Janine said, the longer term moves will come down into big major moves like the 87 mm. crash, like the GFC, like we've seen with the coronavirus. But in, yep. on a short term moves, we get out of sync with them all of the time and you know, our market go up and these could go down and vice versa. And I think mm. out of one of the things that I think people overlook at is watching the Dow every day. Yeah, I'm amazed um, at that. And it causes them to be emotional, to make mm. emotional decisions on the marketplace Whereas, what has that got to do with BHP? Really, Look, that's I think, what we're saying. I think intraday traders mm. who are trading really short-term stuff, mm. they'd be looking at that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But when when people are investing in the markets or they're trading over it. weeks and months, you don't need that. No, you don't mm. really need that. But it's a really good question, Sam. So thank you very, very much question. for putting it in. Make sure you put your question on a video and shoot it to us at info at Wealth Within, and we'll play it next week for you. Now, our first email question is from Melanie. Fantastic Melania, to see Melania, not Melanie. Is it? Yeah, Melania. 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 Even. Okay. I don't know. We got in trouble last week for saying Felipe when it was Philip, so. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Dale. Oh, you've been called all sorts of things. I've been you? called everything from Dave to Doug to everything else, and you've been called <laughs> lots of things. Janelle. <laughs> Hi, Dale and Janine. I've read your books, Dale, and I watch the show each week. I've been interested in the stock market for a couple of years now and have bought some shares along the way. Now, my stops were all triggered late February and I left the market in profit. I had been thinking a decent drop would be great for getting some lower price shares. I have since watched the bottom come and go all along thinking the rally was false and sitting on my hands, not wanting to fall under FOMO's spell. The, the past month of sideways movement had me somewhat relieved that maybe I'd not missed out entirely. And then today the market popped through the 5,600 mark, have been um, seeing beginners make 400% on APT while I keep waiting. I guess they took a punt that paid off. It is hard to sit back and accept you miss good gains. Am I looking at it incorrectly? Well, thank you, Melania. Um, I would say no, you're not. I mean, it depends on your strategy. If you if you had a really short-term perspective on particular shares, the way you actually might trade those shares could be different to how you trade if you're looking for more short to medium term. And shares are going to take off at different times. So some shares are going to give buy signals before others. And so therefore, you know, we've already started trading. I mean, some people are still in cash out there, mm. which is not a bad thing. You know, it's it's good to be cautious and to, to um, plan your entry and, and move into the market when the stocks that you're trading have actually given you the right signals to go in there. So I think that, you know, you're not wrong in what you're doing, but it, it is hard sometimes for new people to sit back and watch other people making those gains. Oh, it is. And I, I, I remember back to the, the tech boom. And I'm not sure, you were too young then, you were probably in nappies back then. I'm a bit older than you. Okay, you're not, okay. But I remember that as all these people around me were trading these techie stocks and making lots of money. And stocks mm. like, yeah, I mean, they're just like alphabet soup, these stocks, right? Yeah. Not making money, you know, not no products, blah, 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 but they're just going through the roof. Mm. Okay, and I'm sitting there just trading blue chip stocks, doing quite well. And all these people kept telling me I was crazy, I was crazy, I was crazy, I was crazy. Get on the big winners. And that happened mm. for, I don't know, 18 months, I was telling me I was crazy. Then pff, everything hit the fan. You know, the proverbial SHIT hit the fan. And do you want me to swear? Now, I don't know. Um, but so, it did. <laughs> Everything so he hit got the fan. out of it again. I know. Um, he doesn't want to pay up. I think he should pay up anyway. Okay. Come on. 
Here's your 20 cents. It's a bit dry. The well's a bit dry. There's, there's your 20 cents. 20 cents? But it hit the, is that it? I know. That's all it worth. I spelt it out. I didn't say it. <laughs> so it's not really a swear word. Your wife hasn't given you much money this week, I know. She, she never gives me any money, actually. Um, but there, they were telling me I was crazy. Then it all hit the fan. All the textiles collapsed. All these people went broke. I had friends of mine that were buying and selling within three days so they didn't have to settle. Mm. So they'd ring up, get that. That was when it was T plus three. Yeah, that was when it was T plus three. So they'd buy this stock that I was unheard of. Mm. Hopefully it rose up in that two to three days. Then they sold it before the three days and then the, the, the sell would cancel out the buy and then they would take the profits. Mm. They ended up owing the brokers tens of thousands of dollars, these people, and they were mm. telling me I was crazy, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, I'm still trading. So and are you talking about broke. the hair, the tortoise and the hair sort of scenario? Yeah, I am. I'm really talking about that. It's not about you're never missing out as long mm. as you're doing something that's congruent with who you are because everybody has a different risk profile. Some people are really high risk. Some people are low risk. And don't invest or trade on what other people are doing. Mm. Do on what's comfortable for you Yeah. because if you get out of your comfort zone and you start doing things that other people are doing, then you're going to make mistakes. Mm. So listening to the market and listening to chat forums or listening to all these different people doing everything. X, Y, and Z, thinking, oh, I'm missing out. You're not. Mm. It's because it's what's right for you and, and to divorce yourself from all the noise and to say... But it's funny, mm. it, but it's funny how in the moment, right, that, yeah. then at that moment people think that they're missing out. Mm. But it's such a long timeline to it be is. in the market. There are so many opportunities There's over so many years. There's years in the marketplace. Now, did I, yeah. was it challenging for me not to be in tech stocks? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was, had these people that were just driving me crazy, telling me I was an idiot. Mm. But okay, we've they're got- broke. Um, our next email is from Akresh, uh, Rakesh, sorry mate. Um, hello sir, I watch your videos and admire all the information you provide to us. I have one question to ask you sir, he's nice and polite isn't he? Uh, last year I have a few shares in ISX at $1.05 and in the same time, two to three days I got suspended and still in the same position. I use NabTrade platform to buy and sell shares, I've called a few numbers to get to know what possibly can happen with my holdings. Um, it's been six to seven months now and my money got stuck there what can you do in this kind of situation please advice help sir thank you Rakesh um, not an unusual situation so basically mm. to explain what's happened is Rakesh has bought some shares and within three days they've gone into a trading halt mm. so generally when a stock goes into a trading halt there's news that the market needs to know about um, or it hasn't found out about yet so the company voluntarily says let's put it in a trading halt until we can announce whatever we've got to announce that's really what they're doing sometimes it's a takeover sometimes it's a a discovery or whatever else sometimes it's you know issues with their financial systems and all sorts of stuff and I had a gentleman a couple of years ago that had once two stocks like that at the same time and one he'd held for 18 months and it was still in a trading hold and he's saying what's going on? Had it gone up or? No it, one had gone up and one had tanked on him mm. and he was losing like 60% on one and he kept okay. saying, what do I do? And I said, well, you know, my thoughts on holding stocks that are falling. And he said, well, what do I do with the other one? And I said, well, I don't know what's going to happen to that. And he goes, but it should be coming out in the next month. Well, six months later, it was still in a trading halt and it's probably still in a trading halt now. But right now, uh, there is absolutely zero you can do, mate. There is zero you can do. You can't make, you can't sell it, you can't buy more, you can't do anything. All you can do is go to the company website and that's all you can do. So there's a registrar for that website, uh, the company. But most company or companies will have an investor center in their website. Go to that, look at the announcements and what they're talking about and that's all you can rely on at this point in time. So at this point in time, sit on your hands and wait because as I said, there's nothing you can do. So I'd like to be able to say, look, do this. 
and that will sort out your problem, but I can't. Anything else you want to add? Um, only that the, ch- it was, mm-hmm. the stock had actually, looking at the chart, the stock had actually pulled back quite strongly Doing and was just stock. holding there mm-hmm. before the, the, the um, announcement came out. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it didn't keep falling mm-hmm. into the announcement, that's something positive? Yeah, it's not necessarily a negative thing. And, and this is what a lot of people think because it's frozen and they think it's negative. But mm-hmm. if it, when it opens up, it might open up with news that just sends it going through the roof. Or it could be the other way, and we don't know. Uh, so just sit back and wait. But next yep, question. I'm being told from the flight deck. Wrap it up. Flight deck. Yes, yes, Captain. <laughs> just read the screen. Yep, do your job. We have a nice long question from Shane. Thank you, Shane. Congratulations on such a good show. Thank you. I've become a regular viewer. I'm noticing in the workplace talk has moved to the stock market and shares instead of the usual banter, to the point I've been given a stock tip which is like being told the next in the first race to Sydney. Is that right? Um, The stock is OPT. Now, the ticker is apparent uh, knowledge that the phase two trial results will be released in three to four weeks and the results will be very positive. So apparently, um, yes, now I have heard you say buy the rumour and sell the fact. I've also heard you talk of insider trading and market manipulation, have since learned the term pump and dump with suggestion that UBS is notorious for this activity. I've watched OPT price since the change or chance of a lifetime on Thursday. On Friday, the shares closed down 10 cents and today, Monday, it closed up. 16 cents at 2.95. Today's trading seemed to have smaller parcels to push the price up. Larger parcels sold off at the increased price. Is this an indication of people moving the market deliberately? Of note, at around 11.40 hours on Thursday, there was a buy of 2 million shares, something. Mm. So it's a lot of trading happening there all over the place. I understand the market is set to have winners and losers. My question is, what do you think of buying into OPT with potential upside on rumour, however less downside on fact? <laughs> Can I correct him a little bit? Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever say buy on rumour and sell on fact. Mm-hmm. I don't, have you ever heard me say it? No. I've never said no, it. No, he's not so. saying that's what you're saying. No, he said, you, I've heard you say that and I hear, hear you say other stuff. Well, I say I buy on confirmation, not speculation. Right. So buying a rumour is speculation to me. Yeah. So um, I actually don't say that. Um, but my biggest tip is don't take tips. That's mm. really my... So we're going to have a look at the chart, aren't we? Are we going to look well, at look, the Well, look, I was just going to say, first of all, that, mm. you know, I mean, we do have sayings from from time to yeah, time. Yeah, we do. And we we don't necessarily... It's, it's not a... There's not one broker that's doing a particular thing. It's not mm. like we're saying that this particular broker is doing anything. It's just the industry has different strategies and things that they do to make money. Oh, but look, you see, you see a lot of pump and dump in chat forums. A mm. lot of you get people with fake usernames and everything else that that may or may not be brokers. I don't know, but it could be people interested in shares and they'll mm. do pump and dumps within chat forums because they'll get people excited about shares. They'll keep they might have multiple accounts with different names and all talking about this stock mm. and talking it up to do the pump and dump. Uh, but you see that all the time. And yeah. yes, the market does have manipulation. It does. Um, it, there's a whole lot of things going on. And that's why Janine and I keep saying, if you've got rules, you don't need to worry about any of that. So to me is come up with your own stocks, have some rules around that and don't take tips. Mm. But you want to have a quick but look at But then you don't need stock. to be worried about what other, others are doing. No. And the thing is, if, if your people, and no, no offence to people at work, if, they, if they're giving you a tip and they know about it, then I'm sure the big end of town and everybody else that's really in the know actually knows what's actually going on. So actually, the funny thing the world is knows that about it. So what, it's not a really f- hot tip. What I find interesting, right, is mm. that when markets um, mm. crash, we've talked about markets crashing at the bottoms. Mm. So when people are giving tips, it's usually before peaks in markets. Mm. 
Correct. When the average layman is giving mm. a tip. Yeah. So that's something interesting to note. Now, OPT, um, that's Opthea Limited. Very volatile Very little volatile. stock there. A big gap in the price action here. I'm not sure if that's um, um, the data here. I'll just check the dates there. That looks like it's up to date. So given that the situation here with this stock, I mean, it's just, it's rising at the moment. So, I mean, if you were holding it, then you'd probably continue to hold it. Um, my opinion on the stock at the moment is it could go either way. Like it it's, could go. you know, how do you know which way it's going? And if it's it a very volatile. It's going to sell on fear, isn't it? Yeah. And look how fast it's fallen. It just mm. took a couple of weeks and it just wiped out all that prior profit. Mm. So, you know, okay. this was probably the rumor when it first jumped up. Mm. Probably. And often what you're talking about, the pump and dump, it's it's these it's people trying to who own the stock trying to encourage And it's generally the lower liquid yeah. stocks, you know, mm. where you don't need a lot of money to move it. And so there's generally those they pump. So and they dump. can encourage people to Correct. buy it, little people who know nothing about yeah. what they're doing, which is a bit sad. Okay, so let's okay. move on. Okay, Dale, I think that um, the chat is probably lining up with a lot of questions for us now, isn't it? Absolutely. So the first one we've got, I'll put my glasses on, is M, it looks like MVP. For, MVP? For Langs, I think it is. So let me just bring up his question now. What was the name? I'm trying to get it again. There's just so many here. It's not funny. Um, Phalanx. Hi, Dale and Janine. I'm enjoying the channel. I'm looking forward to every Tuesday evening with you guys. Thanks. We enjoy having you on. Would like your thoughts on MVP. Now, the interesting thing about this share, it's done something that's very um, disorderly, if you like, because with COVID, it's come all the way back, almost taken out this low here in February 2019, taken out the prior low here showing weakness in terms of breaking that overall trend. But it has actually challenged the the um, some resistance at around $8. So I think at the moment it's holding up nicely. Um, my thoughts at the moment on it are I wouldn't be looking to purchase a stock like this anyway because of the um, lack of, because of the volatility of it. And at the moment, it's still going sideways. It's literally been going sideways since it moved up in April 2020. So the last couple of months, has, it's had really no no action to talk about of any any real um, any positive move here. Mm. So I'd be waiting to see it get through there. That might give an indication that it's going to move up and challenge the high. But if it does actually start to pull back and take out this low in May, then the, the concern is it's going to come back and test. But at the moment, it's holding its ground. So... Yeah. Um, easy as she goes. Cool. Okay. Well, the next question we got is from MJ who's saying, looking forward to tonight's show, saw an AFR post, Australian Financial Review post today about about stating it was the best ASX session in seven weeks and now we're technically out of the bear market, which is correct. <laughs> right. Which is correct. Technically technically out of the bear market so uh, and it has i mean that the, the charts of the all ordinaries index do look really really nice now so um i'm expecting we not, might see another couple more weeks maybe maybe into mid-june ish before we peak and then come down into our next low so that next low or the next movement down is going to be a nice little test i think mm. but so i still haven't ruled out our market will challenge that low in march but it's the likelihood like we we're talking about earlier it's the probabilities and so whilst at the moment the, the pendulum, if you talk about a pendulum from being bearish to bullish, it's now swung slightly into the bullish phase and it's got out of that bearish phase. So, so, we, so it's all about the momentum, isn't it? Yeah, it's And what you're suggesting momentum. is that momentum's more likely to continue to... To go up. Yeah, so whilst we you know, think, hey, the market's bullish or the market's bearish, mm. it doesn't discount that it's going to be the opposite at any one time because mm. it's always about volatility cannot be predicted. 
and you, you can't predict announcements. You can't predict a whole lot of stuff. You can't predict the coronavirus happening or the date when it's going to happen. Mm. You can't predict when planes are going to hit a building. You can't predict tsunamis, all those yeah. sorts of so things. So what you're saying is now we've got some confirmation. Now we've got some confirmation that's looking bullish. The market's looking like it's picked a direction and there's some strength behind the move. I just like to see it stay up and keep moving up. But it looks like fine for the next couple of weeks. So right, next, next question is um, ALQ for Michael. And Michael saying, um, hey, guys, hope you're doing well. Yes, we are, mate. I bought ALQ yesterday for short term and looks to me like it's building momentum in an uptrend. What are your thoughts? Look, I would agree. Looking at the weekly chart, which is the short to medium term view, you'd expect this stock to continue to rise somewhere between about 740 and 8. Um, 840 in the short term, short to medium term. Looking at the big picture, though, it's still not 100% out of the, you know, out of the, the the red, if you like, because it's got a long way to go to get up here. It really needs to break that 840 level to prove that it's going to keep going long term. So that's what we're talking about from a technical point of view, being able to confirm direction. Because one month up, which you can see on the the chart there, does not confirm any sort of um, trend at all. So Looking at it though, in the short term, it's looking okay. There you go, it's looking really, really good. Have we got time for one more, Mr. Producer? One more, he's telling me. Um, what we got a question from Steve, and Steve is actually saying, um, how vital is a written trading plan for profitable ongoing success? Great question. Great question. Well, you can answer it if you like. Mm, it's, it's essential, really. Yeah. I mean, if you have a proper written trading plan, it's like your flight plan. A pilot does not go up in the air without a plan. Uh, you know, he'd be sacked without following the, the process. So it's all about having a process, having a strategy and following it and then um, making sure that you've got all the right um, criteria before you actually enter to suit the portfolio that you're running. Mm. So that way you can't go off track. You won't be distracted by trades that could end up turning a profit that you're making on good shares into a loss so mm. that's what it's about yeah and i find one of the things and i got an email from one of our students today who i think module just finishing module three mm. and it really sort of highlights why you need a plan and everything else she's learning a lot through the course and she yep. said i'm an impatient person um, and it was really good that she picked that up. She's impatient because when you trade, you show up and it's mm. the real you show up. And mm -hmm. it's not the one you show the world to your wife or your husband or your kids or your mum and dad or whatever else. It's the real person mm. shows up because when money's on the line, it really makes you take, sit up and take notice. And she was saying, you know, I am impatient. So I real, I'm starting to really realize the, the need to have solid rules for my trading plan that you keep talking to me about, because that'll keep me focused on what's actually going to work mm. and not guessing all the time or throwing in thinking I'm missing out or I'm seeing or hearing things. And I'm jumping in, jumping out. So I'm, and she said, I can see I'm going to be a lot more consistent which will make my life a lot easier, a lot less stress and a lot more profit. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's really what a trading plan does. It actually gives you a structure. So it's like anything in life, whether you're going to build a house or you're going to build a car or you're going to do anything, you actually make a plan. Mm. So, And that's how you really work. So very mm. important question, mate. Very, very good. Thank you very much for that. All right. Uh, Shall we get on. into the topic mm. now? Professional trading, hidden secrets traders need to know about. Now, the topic professional trading um, can mean different things to different people. And there are a lot of things that professional or institutional traders won't share about how the market operates. However, tonight we plan to share some insights. We're going to bring a PowerPoint slide up in a second. Um, and we could talk all night about this, but our director would cut us off at the knees um, if we don't run on time. He's a mean person, our director. Um, so we're likely to, 
to put some more stuff in another show on the same subject down the track. Now, for tonight, we wanted to discuss three areas, and I'll get Janine to bring up the PowerPoint presentation now, but we want to discuss three areas. One is market depth. We discussed a little bit of that last week, and we're going to show you some slides using the market depth or showing you how or our thoughts on what happened uh, or ha what happens in there, the open and closes. We're going to talk a little bit about algorithms. Uh, we're also going to talk a bit about dark pools and tools institutional traders have. So let's bring up the uh, PowerPoint slide now and have a little bit of a chat about that. So take it away, Jenny. Okay. So um, as you said correctly, the professional trading, hidden secrets traders need to know about. Mm -hmm. Drum roll. So did Drum you want to... No, you can talk about it. You did the screenshots. Okay. So what I wanted to talk to you all about, first of all, I guess, is that the market depth is really interesting because there are a lot of people that who try to trade short term when they first start trading and they're mm. just following market depth and watching what's going on, put, trying to work out how to put their trade in. I mean, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? When when you're a new trader to mm. the market and you've got no idea, you just it's almost like you press that button and you hold your breath because you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, do am you? I making the right decision? Am yeah. I doing it right? And that's what they're doing. And then and then you've got to make sure that you've set the right criteria on the trading, um, the order pad. Mm. So that when you actually log into a broker's website, you'll be able to, place orders and there'll be what's called an order pad and so that order pad but it's very limited mm. for retail investors versus what institutional and more professional traders yeah, although get access these, to. these screenshots there are web iris and mm. comsec is web iris there's yeah. a few other brokers that use web iris as well so they'd be similar to some people yep. and a little bit different or well, maybe not web iris mm. they might use iris the professional package that's yep. got a whole lot of different mm. things to it but it's not necessarily going to make you a better trader no it doesn't it's just information it's just information so it, it you know the, the the thing with the market depth that um, you get to look at is there's there's a there's an opening um, part of the market and there's the closing part of the market now most professionals tend to trade towards the close of the market or they wait until after well after the market's opened generally right so when the market opens there can be a whole lot of trades sitting in there there's been um, algorithms that different institutions have put in place and even uh, retail traders have some algorithm access so um, you, you you'd have a whole mixed ball game of, of, of prices in there so you don't know really what the price is that necessarily the stock's going to come off at the, the market gives you an indication of what it's going to be so you can see there that I've captured BHP at the close or after the market's close. So, so which one's that, the left or the right of the screen? So the left-hand side and the right-hand side are both aftermarket close. So it's an example of what happens over the change mm -hmm. from the when the market first closes and, and there's this match-up process or an auction that's happening. So when so does when, that happen? That happens from 4 o'clock onwards till 10 past 4. So this is where the institutional traders can continue to move things around. And people often say, well, how come I can see things moving around in the mm. depth of the market after the market's closed? Oh, yeah. Or how come the stock mm. closed at 4 o'clock, it was trading at this, but then it actually closed at this price later on? The yeah, same after day. the auction. After the auction. So I get yeah. that question a lot. So this is why it happens. That's yeah? why it happens. So so what's going on there? Like people like us are actually placing trades with the broker and saying that we want to fill our our trade this afternoon so in order to fill the trade they'll set the the order at a certain price which mm. will be a bit different from whatever the close was to ensure the fill Chris, another then, question yeah so after four o'clock we place orders mm. out of all the orders we place how many do you place after four o'clock a lot a lot Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're not unusual, and that's what I'm saying. What we're talking about is with this depth of the market that people look at all the time, it's not necessarily what's being traded. Yeah. 
So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a question of, yeah, you're right. So it's a question of, you know, do you want to spend a lot of time trying to put orders into the market mm. or do you want to wait until it's easier to do mm. it? And, and so then, you know, you're, you're, the only thing is with trading at that time, if you're trading smaller stocks, the price can move around a lot more. Mm. If you're trading towards the end of the day, just right in that, in that close, but it can depend on the stock. Bigger stocks, you don't necessarily have to worry about it so much. Okay, so what are these two? These two so bits? what it's showing you is that from the close, so it shows you at the top there, you can see last price. So oh, if you that? point to that, right, well, you were right in the right spot. You just where? go to the left. Go to the left, there. that price there. So the BHP actually had the last price of 35.36. Yep. Right, but there's still a lot of orders being pushed into the market there to get filled. Yep. And then right towards the end of the market, this is about a minute to go. If you so look to the side, right, the right side. Yeah, you'll see at the top the match price. Up there up there had actually changed from the match price that was on the previous snap, snapshot. So there's the match price on the previous one. Yeah, so, that, so that's the price that the, the orders mm. were going to fill at, right? So as it's getting closer to the close, that number changes. Mm. So it just shows you how much it changes mm. based on the orders that are sitting there in the market. This is on a big, big stock. So it's what's it like stock. on a smaller stock? Well, I haven't screenshot a really small stock to show the okay. huge contrast, but obviously there wouldn't be the nice depth that you can see there in BHP. Mm. And with a stock like BHP, you're more guaranteed of being able to get your fill. Yes. So that's the purpose of trading the bigger stocks, because when you go in and out of the market, you want to know that you are actually going to be able to trade this stock at the price that, that you want to trade it at. Now, when, when Corona happened, there was a lot of liquidity change mm. in our market. And so there were stocks on our market that had no market. Or very, mm. there was wasn't enough market mm. in some stocks that you would think would otherwise be liquid mm. to actually be able to move money in and out of the market. So I thought that was really interesting, and I recalled when when I was trading during the GFC, the same sort of thing happened. There was a real liquidity, and and often you were chasing prices as they were falling to get out mm. of the market in mm. there just to try to get the fill. Okay. But so this is an example of BHP, but this is at the end of the day, right? At the, I haven't got the screenshot at the start of the day, but. I slept in. But the, <laughs> so did I. At the start of the day, uh, it can just go one way or the other. It can mm. really change a lot. And similar to what I'm explaining it within the close, that all of these orders are coming in, but they can all of a sudden rip their orders out. Yes. And that can change the price dramatically. And so, mm. and, and just after the market's open, it can be like silly season on some stocks. And yes. I was talking to one of our students actually this week about it and he was commenting that it does whip around a lot and he's listened to what we've said over time and so he chooses mm. not to trade until after 10.30. Yeah. So in the morning what you'll see is when you're looking at this depth of the market and if you go back to the, the PowerPoint, you can see how like there's a number of uh, there, the volume that's wanting to be traded and the price for the bid and obviously the same for the ask. You'll see this constantly changing before 10 o'clock and what a lot of stuff is in there you'll see them way out of different price range to what the last sale is. So if you look at the last sale, in the morning, these prices, these ask prices are going to be wildly different quite often to what it was the last sale yeah, price. Yeah, so just before the market closed mm. or in, even during the day, mm. you'll be watching the last price and the prices will move around that price. Mm. Left uh, Bids and asks will sort of stay around those mm. levels and hover up and down depending on so whether the stock. not one mistake that 
I find in mm. uh, retail investors make or retail traders make is assuming that what's on that screen before 10 o'clock is real. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not real. It's fake. So don't ever look at that and make decisions on whether you're going to buy or sell a stock. Yeah, because what some people are doing as retail investors is they're thinking, I'm going to get filled at that price. And they're not. Don't even think that. Yep. Or they're thinking there's lots of volume there when mm. there's not. Yes. Um, and that's the sort of thing. What's yep. the next slide? I know you've got a couple more okay. slides. So same sort of thing, right? This, this is afterpay. After, this was this afternoon as well, but it was afterpay because this is a stock that people often talk mm. about. We've had quite a few questions on it, so I thought it would be quite interesting. But it, what I found interesting was the match price wasn't too far different from right after the market had closed to just before so the here, auction finished. So that's what, 49 49.47 and then 49.23. 49 right, so it's not strongly you know, being pushed yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Right now, and I, I'm, I haven't spent a lot of time studying the afterpay chart just in the last week or so to know whether it's actually still going up strongly. Right, mm-hmm. so it may be that that yes, it's that like. it's exa- could be exhausting mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be an indication of that. So that's another example of a different stock, same sort of thing. But just so that people who are new to the show can understand, in case you haven't seen it before, the bids are the buyers and the asks are the sells. So that's the buy side and the sell side as to what's going on. And that's not exactly. Can I just qualify mm. that? That's what people are wanting to buy and wanting to sell at, not what actually is being bought and sold at. The last yep. 20 trades, which is this next column, is what's actually being traded. Yes. That's the difference. Is the bid and the ask are just what's potentially going to be trading. Like Janine and I could be bartering going, I want to pay $5 for that pen. And she's going, yeah. no, I want to give you $4 for it. And I went, well, hang on. So we're bartering about who's going to, how much we're going to change this pen and how much we're going to get for each other. That's what the bid and askers are about. Right. We should move on to the next slide okay. now. What the institutional traders can do is mm. we can ha- we have all of these tools at our disposal that allow us mm. to trade with all different um Uh, criteria. So I can trade between the money. So you saw, if I go back up a slide, um, you can see there, this is not a good example, but say for example, this was a uh, a $2 stock. If it was $2.10 and $2.11, I could trade it Two dollars ten and a half, for example. Yes. I could trade half a cent in between if I wanted to to get mm. a bit extra money, mm. and it, and it may just pay for brokerage and allowing me to do that. Mm. Uh, so that's so we slip in between the retail traders at times because yeah. we can go half cents where retail traders can't. So that's mm. what she's actually saying. So let's move. Yep. Well, and then there's dark pools which we took. There's dark yeah. pools which. Yeah. So I mean, years ago, and and it's changed over the years. I don't get mm. so much involved anymore in that side of yep. thing, but years ago, you know, there was the option to be able to put your money into if you had big trades you could put the trade into an undisclosed market so the rest of the market couldn't see what you were actually doing yeah not even it was just brokers all the trades from different um, institutions or big traders or wholesale traders um, they're all Mm. getting put into this big dark pool and then washing it out it sounds like it's a Mm. nasty place isn't it the dark pool but it's not it was just a place and you'll see institutional swapping of stocks all the time and sometimes you'll see a stock you'll go, oh, that had that volume and it closed at this. But then the next day there was so much more volume through it because it was institutional swapping or we might get a broker say, look, we've got five million of this to get rid of. They'll go and start ringing around places to try and find somebody to take it from us. And then they'll organise that um, off-market transfers. All sorts of different things will happen around on the marketplace. And then algorithms again. Yeah, look, we used to trade Mm. with algos a lot. And I don't, we keep it more 
simple these days. Mm. Um, however, it, we, we could just put the orders in there. The algo just places it automatically into the market. We have some criteria. We will say, oh, that's mm. the, the limit. You know, that's as far as we're willing to go in terms mm. of the price. And then the algo automatically just would work it into the market for us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there's multiple different algos that we've got. Um, you know, there's like iceberg ones, if done ones. There's like ones that dribble feed yeah. on. There's a whole range you, of different you're ones. You're being told to wrap it up I a couple of times. I am being told to wrap it up because I'm dribbling too much. But uh, there is a lot of things. That's why we could talk about this on another session yeah. as well, couldn't we? So we'll bring it up on another one. But do you need to be really too worried about all of this? Not really. It really it's is interesting it's when interesting. you first get into the market, but you're better mm. off to just stay focused on yeah. a certain area of trading that you think, you know, this is what I want to do well at. Yeah. Um, just a reminder, again, the chat forum is not going to be, it's last night we're going to run the chat forum on the right-hand side of the screen. We are going to be running on emails and videos from next week for all your questions. Again, the part of the reason we're going to be doing it is just make this show even better. We find it. Uh, the chat forum, there's just so many things on the chat forum and people just typing ABC, whatever else. This is an educational show. It's not a t stock tipping show. If you want to get stock tips, you can go subscribe to lots of reports out there, brokers reports, whatever to get your stock tips. We're trying to educate and inform people and give them our experience. So you don't need stock tips. You so just... you don't need stock tips. So we do want to get you know bigger questions better questions so we can go to a lot of different areas so again info at wealthwithin.com.au send your email questions in or stick your phone in front of your face and do a video for us for 30 seconds you'll get on next week's show but now let's get back into the emails and before we do remember hit the subscribe button um, that's our reward for doing a good job so hit the subscribe button now and while you're there give us a big thumbs up or give Janine a big thumbs up because she's doing a great job um, by clicking that like button too so the question well, the next question we got is from, I'm going to try and say this, mate, Bashka. I think that's how you say it. Hi, Darwin Janine. I watch all your videos on Mondays and Tuesdays regularly and recently finished reading your book. Thank you. Um, I'm in the stock market since two years ago and making some profits before COVID started. However, now with a negative portfolio, I bought some shares of CSL a few weeks ago at $317. Just need your thoughts about it for the medium to long term. Thanks very much, Bashka. I think I said that right, did I, Janine? I think you did well. Is that cool? All right. So Hopefully let's go he to, writes in and tells you. So let's you. go to... It's good stock. I like it. All right. Now, CSL is a good stock. It's holding up. It's been amazing how it's held up so well, but it hasn't really moved on. So it hasn't proven itself yet. So you'll see that there have been stocks that have really moved up strongly over the last uh, couple of weeks. And now, and look at um, CSL, it's done nothing. But then again, given it had been continued to rise and, and rebounded so quickly after the COVID, it's probably the other stocks playing a bit of catch up and relative to it. So at the moment, I'm, I'm still thinking, I'm still in favour of CSL while it's holding there. But if it were to continue to fall away, then you, you've seriously got to look at what your your exit strategy is on CSL because just because it's a great stock doesn't mean that it's going to go up forever. Every single stock on the market forms part of a bigger pattern that eventually will see a decline. That's what you have to realise. That's what we teach you in our courses to understand that it's not stocks just don't go up forever because um, there is a, um, I guess you would say, a, you know, it is a pattern that's there. So it's prices work on price pattern and time or trading the market works on price pattern and time. So there'll be a certain time in future when the stock will turn a certain price that it will turn at and a pattern that it's actually unfolding to. So CSL at the moment still looks bullish overall, but it may change and turn 
in the, the coming weeks. So that's yeah, all I'd say. Yeah, but if you're going long term on CSL, you don't really get it wrong, do you nowadays? Well, look at the moment. It's just um, it's mm. holding up well. If you were in it the last couple of years, you would have done well. <laughs> cool. We've got a question now from, I think it's Brython. He says, hi, Dale and Janine. Question on watch list. Mm -hmm. For a portfolio size of 8 to 10 stocks, how many stocks would you have on your watch list? That's a good question. It is a really good question. Look, I don't think I've ever been asked that. I've found that most people mm. can handle, people think that they can handle 100 stocks, which they mm. don't. They don't. You know, and Not very well. I found that most people can handle around 20, right? Mm -hmm. To be really, really stick and to have all the rules back tested. That's if they're applying what we teach. So mm -hmm. they're actually, they've done all the analysis and then just keeping it up to date. Now that's if you're working. If you're not working, you can probably handle 50 or 100. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it depends on, um, as an individual, and it depends on the level of experience and knowledge that they have as well, where they're at. Mm -hmm. Because if, I remember when I first started um, trading and you said to me, oh, look, start by hand charting and hand charting a couple of stocks. And so I was so excited about looking at the top 20 shares on the market, I decided to hand chart the whole lot. Mm, now, that took me ages to hand chart the whole history of the shares. So it's much easier now with the computer to be able to look at mm. um, 20 stocks and even 50 shares. But it's mm. about having filters. And I think that's uh, mm. what we find a lot of people is they chase the market. Yeah, you've always said you don't need to look at everything. You don't need to look yeah. at everything. And people mm. look at things, look at chat forums, look at whatever it is and just find stock tips from the newspapers or whatever else. And they add stocks to their list. I can remember yeah. talking to someone who mm. said he was looking at the whole 200. I said, is that a full-time job for you? And he said, mm. yes. I yeah, said, don't, don't you want to just relieve yourself? So it's about having filtering mechanisms to come yeah. down. And this is what we teach our students about top-down analysis and a few other mm. things to filter it down to a narrower list. But it's also about, when I talk about in my book, having a select group of stocks for the portfolio. Mm. So is there an ideal number? No, there's not. It's just about how much you can handle and it what stocks on fit your style. Um, and so when you're looking at my book, I suggest certain areas for certain types of portfolios. But that narrows your focus down. And when you have a narrow focus, you'll get it much, much better. And that's really what it's about. The right. next question. Next? Oh, the next email is from who is it? Who's you're that? trying to read my question. Absolutely. The next email we have is from James. Hi, Dale and Janine. I bought into BBOZ at the beginning of May, 15% stop loss, believing that we were still in a bear market, but still wanting to start my investment journey and get some exposure. I'm still waiting for a pullback that I still believe is likely to happen, although slightly less likely before beginning uh, to purchase high quality stocks on that pullback. Um, I heard you mention in your report yesterday that we should be buying good quality stocks. I was hoping you could explain that in more detail as to whether to do so now and disregard a potential pullback or wait for the market to show even more bullish signs, which it actually has. And I'm looking to implement the strategies outlined in your book. Uh, well done, Jim. Good question. So, Very nice, Jim. Um, really, what I talk about is good. What I talk about is good stocks. Is highly liquid stocks. That's number one. Always highly liquid. Good stocks that generally be, depending on the portfolio. I'm talking top 100 stocks, but it could be a, a superannuation portfolio, be top 50 stocks. So we're talking about the biggest stocks on the marketplace. Big liquid stocks, stocks that trend. That's what I'm talking about because in highly volatile times and dangerous times like we've had over the past few months, you always go for good stocks because they're much, much, much easier to predict where they're going. Now, the market has turned bullish, so, um, you know, we, we have moved. And what I find is people get fixed in their view. Now, whilst mm -hmm. we've had a more bearish view the last two months, we weren't super, super fixed in that view. We're saying, well, yeah, if it does go up, it could do this, but we're thinking it's more bearish. And that was our waiting that it would be more bearish. Um, but but now, you still have stocks on your watch list but you still have to, make, to get ready to buy them yeah. when they start moving in the right direction. Yeah, and we started to buy. We started to buy a few weeks ago. So... 
But anyway, we have uh, another email or next email we have from Peter. The buy and hold strategy that most stock market investors take combined with the less than ideal methods like buying stocks when they're falling in price and the general lack of knowledge and interest people show in their invested capital seems to be a real systemic mm -hmm. problem across Australia and the globe. How do we rectify this systemic problem? Would the ASX have coped, coped better? with the COVID crash had a broader spectrum of Australians being more active in their investing now. Do we even want this systemic problem rectified in the first place? Do educated and skilled traders benefit more from a situation where the majority engage in less than ideal methods? Thank you again for your brilliant Tuesday night show, Peter. Thank you, Peter. What a question. Look, I actually think that, if you don't mind me commenting Go first, for your life. I actually think, do we, um, you know, do we want this scenario? I actually think that um, it's not the. It wasn't the individual or retail traders that were causing the crash and the panic. Mm. So it wouldn't matter if they were more active or not, in my opinion, because it was a big money, the big hedge funds, the big brokers that were actually pushing the market down. So you know, I don't think it would make any difference. Mm. But it's it's an interesting question because I know you're saying educated traders would they do better? There are times when the retail average investor trader the uneducated mm. one will beat the educated ones because the educated ones understand the risk and they're out of it mm. and i think that's time we've just had march mm. april that yep. the, the more uneducated ones are beating the professionals because the professionals go eh, i'll wait for it to better times to play mm. and so looking for that high probability yeah. time so they'll sit out of the market but the long term and for the most part the professionals and the better educated traders will absolutely kill all the all the amateur traders if that makes sense mm -hmm. so so whilst as i said there are times when amateur traders will make more money they really will but their their chance in the sun is very short where the good educated traders are they're much much better and in the bull markets the better the educated traders make more money and in the bear markets they lose a hell of a lot less which means they make even more money in the bull market so they compound their returns but great it was a question. really good question wasn't it really good question i cool. guess you can tell the difference about what was happening there because because the market was straight down it was so different to any other market Correct. where we have a two-phase pullback mm. and the second phase is the retail investors yep. that if are in doubt get out pretty hold. much that's mm. what it is so anyway the final email tonight is from sandra a lady lucky last hello i purchased dales accelerate your wealth in early february hoping to learn and watch the market over a period of months and then COVID. this period has been a volatile and unusual one for the share market as a beginner i'm struggling to apply trend line analysis to the post march data should i look at trend lines only post march 23 or consider the trends over a 12 month or more period I consider myself a 50-50 split of blue chip and growth investor. For example, Goodman Group. Thank you for your good stock. Thank you for your books, your share show and the live show, which I'm finding extremely informative and helpful. Kind regards, Sandra. Oh, now, that's nice. Yeah, Goodman's held up quite well. So mm. that's probably the only property stock that has held up well. Mm. So what do you yeah, answer the question? Trend lines? Uh, look, with trend lines, it's a... It's a it, the book is really a guide to show you what's possible, mm -hmm. to explain to you concepts, and then you know you decide whether you actually want to have the training to learn how to do it properly. Because ten, trend lines is a highly tre technical tool. There are a lot of rules there, and actually, I, if I had a, I've got a um, an email from one of our clients who's actually currently doing the diploma, but I didn't I didn't bring it with me mm -hmm. into the studio tonight. But I'd really like to bring it up. Uh, next week, if I can, because yeah, it's um, it's about his experience having learnt trend lines, and he and I guess some people think it's going to be easier, 
because they just look at a chart, think I can draw a line up there and that's all there is to it. But there are a lot of rules involved and you've really got to be tested to know whether you've actually got it right, believe me. So, you know, it's you can't just draw a trend line over a couple of weeks or months. It's just not like, you know, a couple of months... You need a certain rules, actually. I was about to say what they were. And look, I don't mind, but it, there, are, there are a number of important rules and mm. some of those are in the, in the book, mm. but not all of them. So, you know, it, you need to know all of those to get that right. Yeah. And it's really more applying them over the history of the, the stock rather than just a, a snapshot. Yeah, but it works. There are times you're not going to be able to use trend lines, and that's why we have lots of rules mm. as traders. But even between the, the, let's say, 2004 and 2007, I, we couldn't get down trend lines for love or money. We were trading on other rules because the market was so bullish. So right now it's been really bearish, but trend lines will come back in the not-too-distant future. So don't stress about it. Just be patient, keep learning, and you'll do really, really well. But I think it's about time we got back into the chat. What do you reckon? I think we should. Okay, what let's go next? back in. The next one we've got, if I stick my thing on, is FE. X um, for I think the name is Strawn1970. Hi Dale, can you please give me some insights into FEX, Phoenix Resources? Um, he's also got NWH, we won't do that. Reading your book at present, great read and love the show. Thank you. By the way, is um, yeah? stick my thing on a technical stick my description? Thing. Stick my thing on the who's a what? He doesn't even know what he said. I don't even know what she's just said. All right. Can I have a translator, FEX. please? <laughs> um, okay. Phoenix Resources. Go Phoenix for it. Resources. Little resource stock. Obviously, high volatility on the resources side is to be expected. Let's have a look at the left-hand side of the chart. I want to just understand how this stock has moved. Wow. Okay. So, look, there's a huge rise that we've seen that's gone off the charts. It's off the um, charts. 500 and something percent from where it fell after it listed to the high. Now, as equally as um, interesting in a roller coaster ride for this year, it's actually fallen by around 80% from the high. So looking at it, it has recovered somewhat. Mm. It is looking quite nice at the moment. And I'd be saying, very, very you know, cool. it's a sort of short term. These sort of stocks are really more for short term, I think. But what's the liquidity on this? That's the thing. I mean, I could put some volume on there if I've got a um, volume histogram yeah, there. It's up the top. There you go. Um, there we go. So we're looking at the volume here, which has been increasing over recent weeks. It's been rising. So that's showing that, it, that the volume is actually supporting the, the direction, which is great. So, you know, it's the sort of thing that you would run with it. And you've got to have mm. rules on these stocks because they can just as quickly turn and burn. Yeah, but this is not an example of what we call good stocks in terms of whilst it's trending, you need, because it's so volatile and mm. it moves so fast and the liquidity on it is not as high, because we're talking about an 80 cent stock now, but at three cents yeah. or four cents or five cents, trading there's five million very shares at five cents, it's not a whole lot of money. There's no market in there. Yeah, so, so if, if you, you grab your calculator out and multiply the share price by mm. the amount of shares traded, you'll get to a dollar figure. Yep. And if that dollar Good figure point. is under, you know, two, three, four million dollars, then it's very liquid stock. So, you, and you're going to get a more erratic behavior out of those stocks. So, this takes a certain um, style and a certain amount of rules around a stock like this to really protect yourself because they'll go up fast, but they'll come down fast too. So, you need to be careful. But hey, it looks good at the moment. It doesn't does. It? I yeah. like it. Good question. Right. Thanks, Strawn. And I'm not sure that's your first question, but anyway, we got one from Matthew SXL. He's saying, learning lots from your books. Thank you, Dale. Um, Janine and Dale would love your thoughts on SXL with the economy reopening where do you see this stock heading in the short to medium term many thanks 
Thanks, mm, Matthew. A media group. Look, interesting, aren't they? I mean, in the past, you've mm. followed media groups more Judging. so than I. But look, um, this one's actually gone through to a new all-time low. So it, with the COVID, it's actually taken out its all-time low previously, which was in 2009. Yeah. So it's actually continued to make lower lows. It's not looking super it's strong. Looking Even good. the market's been more bullish since no, April, it's looking... April as well. So, Look, I would say at the moment, if it continues to hold up this week and moves up strongly for the rest of the week, if it takes out that high there, I'd say it's more likely to keep going in the short mm. term. But this is high-risk stuff. Yeah, I think traditional mm. media is a lot more in trouble nowadays because traditional print, TV, mm. radio is much more in trouble because they were charging big dollars for advertising, but now people can watch YouTube. Like, there's no ads on this thing. We don't yeah. have an ad. We're not sponsored. We're not asking people for money. YouTube don't pay us. Nobody pays mm. us for this. Janine and I are really happy to donate our time to help you understand. Now, we get nothing out of this. If you buy my book, great. But the amount of people that watch this show and how many people buy my book, we, we're not going to retire on that. And we're not after that either. We're after helping you understand the market and really what's going on. And so we're giving you our best every single night um, and hopefully understanding. But traditional media... I think is really in trouble because they've yeah. got to make adjustments with people, all this online stuff, and all these streaming channels like Netflix and Stans and all of those things, mm. Telstra, Big Pond, you name it, or Telstra Movies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think some of these media co companies need to reinvent themselves because Telstra is pretty much a media company now rather than a telco, isn't mm. it, really? Oh, it's hitting that way. The amount of mm. content it streams and pushes out. So but good question, isn't mm. it? Next one I think it's important, is, yeah. to your point just then, it's about educating themselves rather mm. than becoming a statistic. Correct. Mm. Yeah, absolutely correct. Oh. Another Matthew, but different Matthew. He says, hey, Dale and Janine, I was wondering if you got SCP, by the way, SCP. And he said, hi, Dale and Janine, I was wondering if you guys could have a look at SCP. It has been trading sideways for the last few weeks, and I was wondering if it would keep in this pattern. Good question. So SCP, I think hopefully I've got the right one here. So this is Shopping Centres Australia Property Group. Now, a lot of the property groups have suffered quite significantly. A lot of the commercial properties really, really under strain from what's happened with COVID. And we can see there the price of this share. It had been trending up beautifully. It was a really, you know, looking at a nice trending stock previously. So down around 38% um, as part of the COVID fall, which is sort of in line with the market. Now it's actually slowly starting to move back up, but it's too early to tell at this point. Uh, one of the things that I like is how far it's fallen in this decline. It's, it's really important. It's fallen to an important level of support. So we could see it rebound back up. But, you know, it, it could go to 240-250 in the short term. Let's just see how it, how it continues to unfold. But so you're not that excited about I'm it? I'm not excited about that property excited, at the moment, no. Okay. We've got one more question that produces the, the person that must be obeyed in the, in the control booth. It's from Seb. Now, it's not a stock code. He said, hi, Dale and right. Janine. Get ready for this. Drum roll. Okay. okay. I do have a question about trading. Can you trade both stocks and Forex or invest on stock and trade in Forex market? You can do whatever you like. You can do whatever you like. So, But you'd be crazy to actually trade in the Forex markets before you've actually learnt to trade stocks well um, because you just don't understand a lot of things. And then you're, you're almost like a lamb to the slaughter in the Forex market, aren't you? Yeah, I remember I was sitting about, well, about 12 months ago, I was having lunch with one of the guys at the ASX in the city in Collins Street, and um, he brought another one of his colleagues on who used to work for one of the very, very large Forex brokers in Australia, and, and this person's boss retired or was retiring, and they said to them, mm -hmm. 
um, what are you going to do? You're going to trade Forex when you're in your retirement? He goes, God, no, wouldn't trust that. I wouldn't try As a retail person, I'd never trade Forex. Mm. And yet he was somebody that spent all his life in Forex. Mm -hmm. And he said, the game is stacked up against retail traders. Mm -hmm. So not he trades stocks, but not Forex. So yep. what does that tell you? Um, mm. But yes, you can trade Forex if you like. You can... Um, trade stocks, invest in stocks, trade Forex. You can be both. You can be an investor and trader in the same body, basically, from a tax perspective. So there's pretty much whatever you'd like to do. But as Janine said, see if you can trade first and trade the lowest risk thing you possibly can to build up your knowledge, your skills, your process, making sure you know how to trade before you start trading highly leveraged markets. What was that show where, where the, the guy, he, he was a skier? Most Dangerous Jobs. Eddie the Eagle. Oh, Eddie the Eagle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just keep thinking about people starting out in the stock market and Eddie the Eagle going down that slope, oh, going okay. off and then landing flat. Landing flat on that okay. cave. Fantastic. So just don't be one of those. There you have it. He if tried you're trading forex, you're Eddie, Eddie the, Eagle. the Eagle, according to Janine. <laughs> I really liked that. It was an inspiring show. It's a good show. You've got I to watch did, it. I did like. I do really did like the movie. I very mm. much so. But um, <laughs> that was our last question. You're laughing at me, aren't you? No. Um, it is now the end of tonight's show and I hope that you've enjoyed it and thank you for participating. If you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, send in your ideas. We'll look at your requests for our upcoming shows. Now, if you'd like to see the show continue to grow, then remember to share it on your social media, please, with your friends. That's your Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, whatever it is, your Instagram, your yo-yos, whatever the other ones are. I can't remember what they're called, but whatever it is, just share it. Also, remember to make, remember to make sure that you put this show in your calendar. We'll be back right here on YouTube Live. Uh, next Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. As always, we're happy to receive your questions, so send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. And remember, do a video through your webcam, your phone, whatever else, and send that in, attach it to the video, 30 seconds, and we'll put that up next week. We'd love to have you. But that really does bring us to the end of the show, and I'm sure you've all hit the subscribe button now. Uh, and again, we've really enjoyed having you on. There's a lot of people fantastic. I've been speaking to are saying that they've subscribed, so that's fantastic. Yeah, More and more we're seeing Not right enough. Only about half of the people that watch aren't subscribers. Why not? Right. Haven't we earned the right to get mm. a subscription anyway? But um, but it always... Maybe you didn't ask nicely. I'll oh. say please. She can say subscribe. she's nice. You're nicer than I am. Okay. Anyway, um, as always, we hope you join us again next week. But for now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Take care. Bye for now. Take care. You always yell at me, don't you? Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.